special five-star podcast because it includes uh, a lovely conversation myself and the lucid Jeff Neville had just a few minutes ago uh, based on the Ireland World Cup squad, the uh, Ireland versus Samoa game and the World Cup in general which is only just around the corner. So without any further ado, here's myself and Jeff talking about all those things. So I guess the biggest thing that you could say about this Irish World Cup squad selection was there were absolutely no shocks whatsoever. <laughs> No, it was uh, like, I mean, you look at Loosehead now, but that was injury enforced. You look at second row, I think McCarthy, if it had been announced three weeks ago, you'd be like, oh, McCarthy. But like he slowly made a claim. You look at the backs, for example, there's not a single back in there. That's surprising. Um, probably the biggest one for me in the backs, like in terms of I'm delighted he's there, Stuart McCluskey. Uh, because you're wondering, he, is it is it going to be three or four centers? And I had named him in my initial squad, and blah blah blah. But he, like he's he's not done anything wrong since coming back in to the Irish fold. No. The way I was drawing it up, I was thinking that four midfielders would be something of a luxury. But then I realized, do you know what? It's France. If there's a replacement is needed, it is an hour and a half away in a plane, more or less. So. Yeah. um I think that allows them to rotate um, because I, I think they'll need to. And I think McCluskey, like you said there, has done absolutely nothing wrong Like since he's come back in. I think he's been used quite well since last November. Um, and I think that, you know, when you look at the makeup of the squad overall, it does give you the impression that this has kind of been locked in for the last 12 months, I'd say, more or less. Yeah. I think there's a few guys who've kind of made a claim late on but this is the the Irish 23 plus a few depth options that I think everybody could name off by heart at this stage. And do you think that comes with with a little more risk than what it might seem like on the surface? Um, It's, I don't know, like you always get these this narrative of, oh, we should have this. Like, I mean, if you look at Stockdale, for example, right? I know he was left out, but... I mean, you couldn't make the argument for Stockdale that he's a very good attacker. Um, he just needs a bit more time, maybe. He's a big, strong boot. He's a big, strong guy. He's a big, strong runner. Ultimately, you could make that argument about maybe Kieran Treadwell too, you know, getting in ahead of of uh, maybe Joe McCarthy or let's say back in a few months ago, like if Sean Klein was 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 uh, selected in that squad but was, wasn't in was in the extended squad, let's say, but wasn't in this squad, you could say, well, he could be there instead of somebody else, blah, blah, blah. I think you'll always have that, I suppose, commentary of what about this guy? And not in a bad way, like not in a provincial bias way or anything like that. I think it's even, just, even, even though I am provincially biased. Oh, you're hugely provincially <laughs> biased. Um, I'm the voice of reason on this one, but I think you'll always get that in terms of 
how do you, how do you say it? Like there's, there's always a, what if, like, what if we had selected this guy? What if, what if we brought this guy? Oh, he offers this now. He doesn't quite offer that, but this guy brings this, like there's always, there's always going to be a question. Like, and it's, and this isn't just for a world cup selection squad either. Like this could be any 23 or any starting 15. You'd say, you know, Oh, I wouldn't have done that. Like you, you could put a hundred people in a room and say, select your Irish 15 for the Romania game. I guarantee you'll have a hundred different answers because there's a case of, do you, do you go out full strong? Do you go, you know, the starting, the starters, let's say quotation marks. I did that in the air, even though um, this is a podcast where people are, <laughs> where people can see me, but you know, you, you'll have that in that Romania game. Do you start strong? Do you ease into it? Do you know, by putting out, let's say like, I mean, if you, if you look at Joe McCarthy, he's probably a prime guy. I don't see him starting against South Africa, right? Nothing against no. him. But Unless there's injuries. Not, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, you know, all going to plan, I don't see him starting against South Africa. But he, for me, is an ideal guy in that Romania game, in that Tonga game, who can deal with the physicality, etc. You can bring someone like Byrne or Ryan off the bench just to keep them tipping away. It's quite a nice timetable, or it's quite a nice schedule, I should say, for uh, for Ireland in that World Cup. Like, So I think the squad they brought, like you look at the four centres, I think there is still, well, I think Gary Ringrose is obviously nailed down, like, but you look mm. at that 12 spot, that's still there to be talked about. Oh, yeah, they can, they can rotate three guys in there if they wish. And I think that, like, Ringrose is a cert for me to start oh, yeah. the big games yeah, yeah, if he's yeah. fit. You know, I, I will say that this World Cup squad is a perfect distillation of what Andy Farrell has done to date with this squad. Um, I think since that difficult patch that he had at the start of his tenure, uh, once they kind of got out of the way on that, he has been incredibly consistent with who he selected in certain spots. I think one of the criticisms you could put against Sandy Farrell is that there hasn't been a whole ton of experimentation, really. That once he's found that system that works, he has been building and building and building and building on that. Like one of the people I found a little bit unfortunate to miss out, I think, was Kian Prendergast. I felt that he played actually quite well against England. Um, and I was I was thinking about it like, was it a case that they made the choice between Stuart McCluskey and Kian Prendergast? Like the way I look at things, they provide quite a similar role in a lot of ways. I was surprised that they didn't go for somebody who was pretty much a kind of a, not a like for like, but as close to a kind of a role duplicate for Caelan Doris as there is in Ireland, I think. I think Kian Prendergast fits that down to a T. I was surprised that Farrell didn't go for that. At least initially. Yeah. I think he's probably unlucky to miss out, but at the same time, who would you, like if you're taking, is it 18 forwards? If you're taking. See, I, I, I think it was between McCluskey and Prendergast. Yeah. That, that they made a very tight decision between those two because I think it was either 19 forwards and 14 backs with Prendergast or 18 and 15 with McCluskey. I think that, that I think that's where it kind of came down. And I think that. With McCluskey, I think it gives them slightly more options and it protects somebody more valuable, which is that it limits the minutes that they have to throw into Gary Ringrose. Yeah. And also you've Jimmy O'Brien who could probably play 13 there as well in maybe the Romania game uh, or maybe even come off the bench in 13, although I think he might probably start that one. Yeah, I, I think um, he, like Keith Earls gives you a little bit of coverage there as well. Yeah, uh, he does. Although, although not ideal, but still, he can still do it. Um, what do you think of the risk factors in this squad selection? Like, I think looking at... There's a lot of hurt guys going. 
there really is. I'm looking. I was looking at it today, and like of the guys who, as far as we're aware, were not fit enough to start that game against Samoa. Um, Ronan Kelleher, Dave Kilcoyne, Dan Sheehan, Jack Conan, and it feels like there's a bit of a worry over Jimmy O'Brien as well. Um, with shoulder, with the shoulder yeah. injury that's there as well. Like with the hooker situation, are you surprised they didn't go with um Tom Stewart? We were, I was actually only talking about this on Prop the Question there last week. I obviously don't see camp, etc. And I don't know what Kelleher is doing. But since that round four game against Scotland at the Six Nations, he's only played over an, a little over an hour of rugby. He's played 66 minutes since March. He hasn't played any of the warm-up games. Like, if he's still on the road back to fitness, like, is it going to be a case of using him in Romania? Like, if he's fit, let's say, going to the World Cup, or if he's fit for the first game, let's say, I think he has to start Romania. And I think he has to Absolutely. start Tonga. He has to start both. Yeah. And if he's not fit for that one, suddenly you have Herring probably starting and Sheehan, who was an injury concern leading up to the World Cup. So I, I don't know. I just think it's a bit, are you hedging your bets that he will be okay? Yeah. Or like, are you bringing I, a guy who is fit, although he doesn't have that international? Like, I know if they're stuck, they can bring out Tom Stewart. Like, he'll be out, you know. If, I know, if, yeah. He'll yeah. be out by four o'clock in the day. You know, like, that's yeah, the not thing. a big deal, yeah. But I, I think, with, I understand why Farrell wants to bring both Sheehan and Kelleher even though both are hurt. Like, both are two fabulous players. That one-two punch there of, of Ronan Kelleher and Dan Sheehan, when they're both fully fit, you could start one, you can finish Either, with, yeah. with the other, you can yeah, mix yeah. it up. It doesn't really matter. Like, I think the the worry would be is that we don't know how long Dan Sheehan is out for. They haven't said what his prognosis is. That hasn't been officially spoken about as of yet. They were talking about Ronan Kelleher being fit, that he could have started against um, Samoa, uh, on Saturday well why didn't he then yeah that was a like, big thing for me he's played uh, no rugby you see that's the thing so I think that, like, that'll be the perfect game to get this guy in and kind of tuned up and they're thinking well maybe we can do that against Romania um, I don't know I just think there's a, there's a bit of a, a bit of extra risk there built in with both Sheen and Kelleher I know they're vitally important to what Ireland are doing but I, I just feel that there's a little bit I don't know I, I, I felt that it's it's Part of it, which Sheehan reminded me a bit of Carberry in 2019, that we kind of we have to bring him. Yeah, he has yeah. To come. even though he's not right, and he's not right, and like because yeah. initially the stories were that it was like a six to eight weeker, and they seem to have gone with the idea being that it's well maybe it's on the lower end, maybe it's six weeks. Yeah, that's still a big risk, especially with with, with Kelleher's fitness being the way it is, and like it just lumps a bit more pressure. For me, it lumps a bit more pressure on the likes of Andrew Porter, who's already key. Then you lose Healy, who was probably, like I'd go as far as to say Keeley was probably the best loose head scrummager. Oh, for sure. Not yeah. maybe in regards, like I wouldn't put him at the most important in regards to the style of play Ireland have, etc. He doesn't pull passes and he doesn't make breaks, etc. Like that's not what he's there for. But like, if you're going into a game against South Africa, let's say, he's not going to lose you a scrum. Keen Healy is like a fucking dumper truck in the scrum. He's unbelievable. He locks out his side. Oh, and like, he, and he doesn't make mistakes that way. No, he doesn't. Like, and he doesn't really concede penalties or anything like that. Whereas 
you now look at Passport or you're looking at Kilcoyne and you're looking at Lockman. Um, Jeremy Lockman. Lockman came on in that game against Samoa and I'm sure you've watched it like, but when he came on or you watched it back, I meant to say. Yeah. But the first scrum he's involved in, he got buried. He did. And absolutely like, buried. I look at I look at Lockman. I think his scrummaging with Munster over the end of the, towards the end of the season was actually very solid. I think he did well against the likes of Friends Malherba when he was matched up with him. Um, but on, on on Saturday that did not transpire. He had a very, very tough time. Look against a very heavy and strong Samoan scrum, but that will have put a bit of concern out there, I think, because I think there's the Irish system, we kind of we gloss over the scrum. I think we've spoken on Provincial State of Mind about how the scrum doesn't matter. I think in this game uh, at the weekend, um, with the amount of scrums there were because of the weather and Samoa's approach, yeah, I think it brought the scrum into fairly sharp focus about how limiting it can be to Ireland's game plan. Not a killer, because look, Ireland won the game. Yeah. But it makes things a lot more difficult. And I think that, you know, the, the loss of Healy makes Andrew Porter the most important player in the pack, I think, followed by James Ryan. It's, you know, 1A and 1B there. Um, Porter is beyond valuable to Ireland now. Like as in, geez, I just think of him getting injured before that Springbok game doesn't even bear thinking about. No. And it's like, I, I do think it's something, I don't know, we spoke about it on Provincial State of Mind or on, I can't remember which one, or on Patreon, like, but the loose head depth for Ireland. I remember flagging it about a year ago, maybe even a bit more. And I just kind of said, like, like Porter's the man. After that, you've Healy, who's maybe 36, is he? There, thereabouts. Then you've Kilcoyne and Lachman, who were for a, a good period of time battling out with Josh Richerley to be first choice for Munster. So suddenly mm-hmm. your third choice wasn't first choice provincially. And now you're in a place where your second and third choice are still battling it out for first choice provincially. Like it's just, I think it's just put an awful lot of pressure on Loosehead over the last maybe year or so. And Healy was the, was the answer. Like it, it was, it was literally like, you know, you have Porter, your third choice is there. Like Healy is your second choice. Like it's okay because Healy's there. Like, and the concern for me is, is that even with Healy there at Leinster, Porter would still do 70 plus minutes. Oh, he he's would. Done, yeah, he's, yeah, he's yeah. done that for Ireland as well. Yeah. He is so, my God, just the most invaluable player that we have, I think, in that pack. I think James Ryan showed off the bench against Samoa how much he has improved. I've been quite critical of, of James Ryan, I think, on, on, on my articles and podcasts over the last year. I haven't liked the efficiency of his breakdown entries. I think he's been a bit erratic there. The last two games have been the best I've seen him in the last 18 months. He's become a lot of a, I don't know how to describe it in a better term, but like he's a lot heavier of a player. He's, he's playing heavier, but it, yeah. like, to me, it seemed that he's actually trimmed a small bit. No, I don't mean size-wise. I oh, mean, like, yeah, he's he's having more of an impact. Do you know when you say like you put out a heavy pack or whatever? Yes, like, yeah. Like, yeah, or they play a heavy game. He's just been quite a heavy player. And his, uh, his breakdown work was so physical, so good. He was, again, at the weekend against Samoa. Very, very impressive. And I, I suppose looking at the, the overall like selection of the 33. Um, I suppose like Keith Earls is probably the most pleasing one, really. Yeah. Like, I think he was on the bench or not on the bench. I think he was on the plane. Sorry. I, th- I, th- I think he um, was. Yeah. yeah. And even, I think even if he didn't play in the warmups, 
I still think he was going. Yeah. Even if he wasn't going as a player. I think he was still going. That, that's a guy you have in camp. Yeah. You know, I think like that, that, that might be a little bit unfair to you know, the likes of Stockdale, who, you know, I, 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 at the same time, I don't think he was already impressive in the games I saw him in. Um, no. You he know, came, he kind of came into his own now in the second half of that Samoa game. Things started yeah, he coming had right. A few he was getting good touches. Yeah, and, had a few good moments. I think from an assistant perspective, too late. It's assistant perspective. I don't think he suits what Ireland are doing in the back three now. I just I, like I think from assistant perspective, I think he's they want somebody who has the kind of the range and variety of kicking. Now he's got a big boot in him. Yeah, but I think that Low offers more. I think that Hansen is a different level talent um, with regards to what he brings. So I think that's. That kind of acted against Stockdale, especially when the whole move to fullback didn't really pan out for him. Yeah. Um, there all of a sudden wasn't a spot for him. And Jimmy O'Brien is so versatile. I kind of I think it was between O'Brien and Stockdale, really. And I think that O'Brien's versatility did the job for him. And a guy who can play 13 wing, 15 at international level. Very valuable. Like he just gives you and, and, he's a, and he's a good kicker too. Like it's not like you know he doesn't oh, he, is. he can't kick. He's he's a good footballer as well. I, th- I think with O'Brien, like he does he does have weaknesses in his game. I think his his high fielding isn't isn't outstanding. Was, not as I, good I as Keenan. It was kind of poor against Samoa, right? For a yeah, while. Not, not as good as Hugo Keenan, but I mean, very few people are. Um, I just think that, you know, I think that the, the squad looks balanced. I mean, there's obviously the weaknesses that are there in um, at that loose head, and and they are what they are, and there's no fixing that now. Um, but uh, you know, I think that everything else was really as expected. I, I had a few people who were telling me that they were they were thinking, oh, that Craig Casey might be under pressure. No. I never, I never saw that. No, I never think, saw that. I think, I mean, you you look at the provincial nines, like who is going to be ahead of him? You've Jameson Gibson Park, you've Conor Murray, and you have Craig Casey. If you look outside that, Kane and Blade had a good season. Don't get me wrong, but up until the warm ups. His only cap was maybe 20 minutes against USA years ago. Um, and again, he did have a good season. Don't like, I'm not knocking it. Like, but Craig Casey's, you know, had good games in international level. Like, you, the, the impact he had against France there um, in that Six Nations game, like, he was very, very good. You look at, um, well, Kieran Marmion's gone now as well. Doak has been good. Cooney, well, like, he's been out of the reckoning for I don't know how long. But like, Doak has been good. But I mean, he hasn't been winning games for Ulster. And plus as well, I think I think both Cooney and Doak and Blade even are kind of very incomplete scrum halves for me. I don't think that they have the the pass quality and the consistency that Craig Casey does. That's something he brings even with the tempo. I'd say Craig he, Casey has well. the, the best nine pass in Ireland. Oh, I 100% agree. 100% yeah. agree. Um, so I suppose like we should maybe look at that, that Samoa game at the weekend. Um, quite disappointing from a performance perspective. Yeah, I I have mixed feelings about it. First, you think, okay, given the talk around Ireland in the last two years, you're kind of thinking to yourself, this will be fine. But like a big thing for me is they're human and they are kicking off that game. They're about 20 hours away from being named in a World Cup and going on a plane and doing something that they've been busting their bollocks for four years to try and achieve or for however long it was like, but certainly for years of playing the game, there's going to be an element of, Oh fuck. I hope I don't get hurt. And then you see a guy like Keen Healy who has been at his age and in his position to be still 
playing international rugby at the top of the game for the best team in the world to keep himself at that level, getting injured. There's like that spooks you. I don't give a fuck who you are. Like that spooks you. If it's something like a World Cup final, obviously, or, you know, just a run of the middle season game, you kind of see it and there's a, there's a, a dis, disattachment to it. There's um you, you just, you kind of see it and you go, okay, next man up, whatever we'll, we'll go on. But like just before that, like the night before a world cup call up, if you're not spooked by seeing a guy's world cup pretty much in there, like you, you're, you're human. Like you have to be human. And the other side of the coin is as well. Ultimately it's a hit out. It's just a hit out. And I know you can say, well, it's still an international match, blah, blah, blah. It's a World Cup warm-up in France in the pissing of rain where you're afraid of getting injured, you're afraid of getting hurt. And probably some systems didn't work as well because you've maybe a guy or two, you know, chasing a spot, you know, you have to impress. And suddenly when you force a game, it doesn't really work. Like these things all come together and... It was disappointing to watch, but you look at Samoa, like you look at their scrum, very, very good. Their line-out, decent enough. They only conceded six penalties. So like, I mean, you look at Ireland's pressure and the pressure they like to put on teams, like especially in, you know, 22, five-meter channels, etc. You look at the pressure they applied to Samoa. Samoa's line speed was unbelievable for 80 minutes. They were a kick to touch away from maybe winning the game. You know, like I know they it, had a kick to touch did, after that did, one. Did as two well, bites of the cherry. Yeah. They did. I know that. Like, but, you know, ifs and buts, I know that. But they're, they're, they only conceded six penalties in the Pistons of Rain against the best team in the world who like to apply pressure, whose attacking system has you kind of at sixes and sevens because they, they're so cohesive. They only conceded six. I thought that was. Fabulous. Like that's yeah. a, that was a really like like if that was any game in any season, you'd be like six penalties. That's decent. Yeah. That's clean. And to tell me, I'm trying to remember, is the Leinster attack coach, is he also coaching Samoa? Yeah. What's his name? Um Goodman. Goodman. Andrew Goodman, isn't it? Yeah. I found yeah. it very interesting that Andrew Goodman is the coach for Samoa. Because almost everything they did in this well, game. The, the head coach of Leinster is Head coach of South Africa. So. Yeah, like <laughs> almost everything that Samoa did in this game would be exactly what you would do if you knew Ireland's system inside out. Yeah, I'd say, yeah. I think there was lots of stuff there because the inter- interesting thing for me was coming into this game was that um, Ireland, I think, with this game against Samoa would have seen it as a fairly valuable re- uh, hit out for these guys. Because uh, again, look, I think with Fellas being injured, that's always a possibility. But they could have put in a ton of other younger players or, you know, more fringe guys. But they started Caelan Doris. They started Josh van der Fleer. They started Robbie Henshaw. They started, um, you know, Ryan Baird, Tyg Byrne, Ian Henderson. They wanted to see something. I think Andy Farrell wanted to see something in this game. And I think he wanted to see what Ireland's system would look like against the Samoa team who don't really kick the ball all that often. Now, they did in this game. Ireland kicked the ball 37 times. Samoa kicked the ball 34 times. But I think beforehand, when they were scheming this out a couple of weeks, you know, months back when they were looking at what friendly they would play here, um, they saw Samoa as being a team who don't kick the ball an awful lot in theory. They're very big. They're very physical. They're very direct. They've got a very big scrum. I thought Andy Farrell, when he saw Samoa, was thinking, 
this is a perfect warm-up for South Africa. There's a lot to hear about what Samoa do that also stacks up with what the Springboks do. Similar, They've got similar strengths in different areas. Now, different teams, they, they approach it kind of differently, but a lot of their strengths are the same. So I think you would have seen that and thought, do you know what? There's an opportunity here to have um, a kind of a run out with a lot of the guys who will start against the Springboks and see how they do. But what I think with the with the rain, I think what Andrew Goodman did was very, very interesting in that Samoa did play a lot of on-ball rugby, as you would expect. Their lineup was a disaster, as you'd also expect, because they've been running at like 65% all year so far, right? They, they were, I think they were the same in this game. To see how they um, were able to target Ireland's backfield in a very specific way with a contestable kick off 10. To the right a lot. Yeah, on the right side, that to me was very, very interesting because it went after the spot that we'll say would be Keith Earls, but for Ireland would be James Lowe. Mm. If this was, you know, the Springboks against Ireland, they were going for that back pin. When you looked at Ireland defense, uh, Ireland's defense, especially when we, we were defending them on transition, we had 13 guys in a line or 12 guys in the line with the two wingers and the backfield was defended in and around the middle of the field by Jimmy O'Brien. That kick to the back edge looked to try and bring out Jimmy O'Brien, looked to dip back in for the spring box. It'll be James Lowe. It was Jacob Stockdale here. And the pressure that they put under, um, that they were put under in the air, combined with the wet weather, just caused havoc. And it caused a lot of knock-ons, which meant a lot of scrums. And that's how Samoa, I think, got a real purchase in this game just off their ability to retain the ball, bring Ireland through the phases a small bit. But then that relief kick that they had into the backfield was contestable enough that it drew Jimmy O'Brien out of the backfield. It put Stockdale under huge pressure. And they, they never really went after Hansen yeah. on the other side. They were going after that right back pin. Uh, well, to them, it'd be the right back pin. For Ireland, it was the left wing spot. That is very interesting to me. And it showed that Goodman is well aware of where Ireland can possibly be got at because I think he would have known coming into this game that the Samoan scrum would be a good matchup yeah. for Ireland. And I think that the Samoan scrum had a real impact in the game as it went on. And I honestly think if Samoa had an even passable line-out by test level standards, they could have won this game and actually won it with a level of comfort that would have shocked people. The um, the kick as well, that kick to that, that right wing what I liked about it as well is there was no real boxes or anything like that it was it was all not I don't want to say it was all crossfield kicks because it wasn't like but they were from a wide enough angle so it just takes that glove straight out of the equation as well it becomes a contestable like if you're boxing you know you get that little pocket of players that little glove of players that's going to protect you going up in the air at least buy you a second or two whereas that just took it straight out of it and it was a case of well up you go get that ball and if you don't we're in the shit but Ireland's lineout surprised me now as well. Like, was it five out of twelve they lost in that massive, first half? In the first half, massive. It's crazy. That's crazy. Like, and someone said it to me. Do you know they were like, "Oh, you know, it's look at the weather, blah blah blah." You can make allowances. You can make some allowances for that weather. Like the one, let's say Henderson went up, and the ball literally just went through his fingers. It's a slippy ball. Like whatever. But the time there was there was timing issues. There was. It, it, it was just the setup issue 
that for me really caught it. Now, the other side of the coin is Ireland also conceded that offside penalty at mall time. It wasn't even subtle. It wasn't if it wasn't we, even a little bit subtle. We but, do that we do that in every mall. Oh, I know, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> oh, I'm not that's not lost on me. But <laughs> the reason I think is, and I talked about it in um an article there on Ireland's line out D against Italy, was is or was because if you look at Italy's lineup mall, if you look at the face of it, it's quite wide. Joe McCarthy swam in two or three times and made absolute shit of the Italian lineup mall or attacking mall. If you don't close off the face of that mall early on against a top tier team, especially someone like the Springboks, they will destroy your mall. Now I know Ireland don't really. They don't maul a whole heap. They're not a, like they like a maul feint, especially Josh Van der Fleer's on whatever playing at seven. That little maul feint play off it somehow. Blah blah blah. We saw it there against Samoa as well with with um, a ball back inside from Stewart to uh, Mac Hansen cutting the line. I think it was called forward. But like they like that little maul feint. They like to play off it. But at the same time, you can't play off that if your lineout maul is getting torn to shit. Even yeah. if it's that space won't be there. Like, yeah, even if it's just something as small as, oh, it's only going to be a mall for literally two seconds. Like you get tied into that. It's no longer a two second. It's no longer the attacking platform that you set up. It's plan B time. And that's not what you want, especially at the level you're going to have to be to win a World Cup. Like Ireland, I felt, thought their way out of this quite well. In the end, I think they were happy enough that they were, they had the, the Samoan line out worked out. Um, they were able to attack them there. You know, I think we saw a really good bit of well, look, illegal line-out defense by yeah. James Ryan. Ballsy <laughs> at the end, it was a ballsy. ballsy. Um, but you know, I I think it'll be really interesting from Andy Farrell to see what he's learned from this, uh, because I think it would be the perfect illustration to him as to what possibly could go wrong against the Springboks, and I think that that alone would be hugely useful that they'll take so much from just that, that it'll be, you know, I think the kind of thing he looked back on that if they can beat the Springboks, I think this game would have shown them an awful lot as to, well, what can go wrong? How can our system fall short against what the Springboks could potentially bring? I think we saw that in this game. Looking towards the Rugby World Cup itself, like you look at the timetable, I keep saying timetable, sorry, we're back to school today. So that's just, <laughs> that's just in my head. You look at the schedule that Ireland have, right? So you look at Romania on the ninth, a week later, they've Tonga, a week later, South Africa, and then two weeks off before they play Scotland. Looking at that group, I mean, you look at Romania first off, it's well, like, it's a done deal. Let's be honest. And it's no offense to Romania, but like Romania games, a done deal. Tonga game, again, you'd expect to win that. So you're leading up to that South Africa game. So it's three weeks, or it's two weeks leading up to that South Africa game. We'll come back to the Scotland game in a second because there's a hell of a break there. In my eyes, I think that Romania game, I'm starting, I think I'm starting a lot of fringe guys. Yeah. I'll be starting Lockman. Yeah. Herring. um, Yeah. I would go with Bielham. I'd go with oh, Bielham, yeah. I'd, I'd start O'Toole, get Bielham on the bench. No, I'd start Bielham, I think, because he's second choice heading into that. You'd want minutes in him, I suppose, yeah. Yeah, I think you would. 
I'm thinking second oh, wait, would you get minutes in him though against Tonga actually yeah that's a good I point because I'm, yeah, thinking, yeah, I'm yeah, thinking, yeah, sorry. I'm thinking O'Toole that'd be the perfect time to start him because figuring he won't start yeah he probably won't start another game yeah so like I'm thinking that if we use like uh, that three to start Kilcoyne on the bench Kelleher if he's fit um, and oh, then actually if Keller's fit I'd nearly start Keller yeah just like, but again I think if we if we don't see him start that game I who'd think coach? That, who'd coach <laughs> it's like if he doesn't start that game it's like well fuck it what do we give him against Tonga <laughs> start it's, him against that after start him it's just like because you can't you, you can't throw him in against the Springboks like it's just even the scrummaging alone would just be ridiculously um, would just be ridiculously yeah. um, dangerous for him yeah I think I think I'd start an awful lot of fringe guys against Romania. Maybe a couple of guys just getting the minutes in there. I'd start a few more against Tonga, maybe a stronger side, but still not that first, let's say, still not that first 15, obviously. Maybe a couple more coming off the bench, again, just to keep them ticking over, etc. And then, obviously, heading into South Africa, you're going full bore. And of, like, if you've... You know, in, if you're injury free and everything's going to plan, blah blah blah, and you've your strongest twenty three, like I think they start against South Africa. But there was a conversation, Jeff, today that I heard on off the ball, where somebody spoke about that um, South Africa game that you basically throw out your reserve team for that, so you can finish second. So you can finish second, with the idea being that you was like, for me, that logic came down because I fully expect France to win that group. So, so they think you should finish second, so you get to play France at home in a World Cup quarter final. Hold up! I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to shrug as loudly as I can here. Um, <laughs> um, like, that's the. I suppose they think that the All Blacks will beat France, and that they no, don't get me wrong. Win. They could. I mean, it's possible like, they could, but France in a World Cup against New Zealand for a lot of World Cups. Home. The first game of the tournament, yeah, you'd. I think. I think New Zealand had won fifteen on the pitch, eight on the bench, sniper on the roof, fucking Graham Graham Henry in the fucking TMO. Yeah, <laughs> Lord is the fucking TV director. <laughs> Steve Hansen as a as an AR. You've, uh, oh, you've play on, P- mate. Yeah, Peter. No, Peter Jackson can can direct it actually. But I'm just like, I think France will win that, and yeah. plus as well, it would basically it would basically say, do you know what? We're scared shitless of the Springboks. Yeah, but I think at the same time, like you don't go into a competition like this, like to say, okay, we'll concede this one. And I mean, if that's the case, why not fucking concede against Romania? Like, yes. yeah, it, it just roll, roll over. It just doesn't hold water, like. Um, no, you go out to win and you plan to win. And ultimately, I mean, to be the best, you have to beat the best, don't you? Like, I think whoever wins the, like, I mean, you've two semi-finalists, etc. I think whoever gets to the final from pool A or B is probably winning it. Like, yeah. So, I mean, like, what, what do you think about that opening Springbok and Scotland game? I think that's massive. I think it could be a bloodbath. I like think a, Scotland have, have an unbelievable chance. Like, obviously the Springboks are playing incredibly well. 
But if there's one team I think they could catch him cold, I think it would be Scotland. Scotland are playing very good rugby like. They're like you look at those two games against France, a whisker away. Like and that much. That second test against France was like it was a full French team like. It was fucking hella decent. And, and, and the thing is with, with, with Scotland, they seem to be sticking in there for 80 minutes now. Yeah. They're not and falling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've, they've got game breakers at the, at the again though. I think you look at that Springboks team um, against the All Blacks and uh, formidable. Well, you've seven forwards on the bench. What a beautiful sight. A 7-1 split. split. Oh we're, just, we're, we're just we're we're just just a whisker away now from the, the 8-0 split. Like, oh my God. <laughs> I, I saw 6 2, whatever. Not surprised. Cool. Yeah. Like, used to it, whatever. And then I saw LaRue was ruled out, whatever. Income Smith, 7 1 split. Excuse me? It's like beautiful. That is so rude. And seeing six of them come on at one time, you're just like, sorry. Chef's kiss. Just. <laughs> and then they come on and they fucking bomb the All Blacks off their own ball. Like imagine you're bringing on the second row power that they were bringing on. Insane. RG's in, name it. Insane. RG looks like he's up around 120 kg at the moment. Sean is definitely looking heavier as well. He's, he's a heavy boy, isn't he? Playing around 125, I would say. And uh, these boys are tanked up. <laughs> uh, like, oh my days. That like, Scotland game could be a bloodbath. Like that's the thing. Like that's like because that's first up. Because the Springboks know. Look, if we win that, we have a shootout for first place against Ireland. Because the Springboks will win every other game easy. Yeah, they lose that. Yeah, then it becomes a bit of a, a bit of a thing. But they'll basically have a week off, right, where they'll be able to rest and rotate against whoever it is that they're playing. Yeah, and then there's that game against the against Ireland, and then they have two weeks off. Yeah. So, like, that could be a real bloodbath. And I'd say, yeah, they'll go, they'll just go heavy twice. Well, they will. They'll go heavy twice. They've got those two games here marked. They'll go hell for leather at those. And then they'll let the the rest of the team do, you know, the other games, which they will win handily. Yeah. And like, that's the, that's the big worry. I think that from an Irish perspective is that if they bring that size and power, but with the on ball variance that they brought to their game, I've been looking at average kicks per game over the last year. And um, England are number one, obviously, with 31 kicks per game on average. Ireland are next. Yeah, Ireland kick a lot, man. 29 kicks per game. We kick a lot, but that's part of our game. We play counter transition. To do that, you need to kick. And the kick pressure we do put on is superb. Very, very good, like and it's it, part. It's part of our game. It it, yeah. it works really well for us. I'll but, have a. I'm actually. I'm actually going to have a video. Little plug. I'm going to have a little video on Patreon probably tomorrow. Well, it won't be tomorrow, but the next day or the day after, focusing on kick pressure from the three games together. Like, and we when we kick well, we kick very, very well. And there was a couple it, against England that was quite loose and kind of snatched at whatever. But when we kick well, it's fuck. It's good. And like we bait the opposition to playing the exact way that we want them to. Yeah. And they've no answer for it. But I think what we've seen, you would assume the Springboks would be a high kicking volume team as well. But they're not. They've gone no. way back. They're yeah. way in the middle of the pack now. And I think that that shows a change in approach from 2019. I think that there's still weaknesses there. I think at halfback, they don't have elite quality there. That not, might a, not a 10. I like Libok. And yeah, I think that, he's come on an awful long way in improving himself. But, you know, I think the white heat of a 
basically a knockout pool game. I don't Pollard, know. Pollard's your boy, isn't he? Like, yeah. But like, I think looking at the the way the Springboks have kind of changed up their game, they're basically using their power now in a different way. Yeah. They're still, like when, when they kick, they kick short. They don't want you getting away from them. They don't want you getting getting beyond <laughs> their back, arms. Come back, here. Like, come back here. <laughs> come back here. Come back here. Like you look at Ireland's kicking. We want you. We want you running. So yeah. we'll kick. We'll kick long. Run down there. Then run back to us. See what you're doing then. We keep teams at arm's length, beyond arm's length. South Africa wants you right there in front of them. Where they South can fuck them. South Africa kind of like, do you remember that big kid in school? He'd throw you the ball and then run at you. Like he'd give, like he'd almost throw the ball to the opposition, then just run at you and smash it. You'd be like, like, they want you right here in their face so they can fucking clout you all day long. That's what they want to do. <laughs> and I think that they've added their ability to retain the ball. They play a little bit more phases now in around the opposition 10 meter line that they maybe wouldn't have done before. And that's added a lot to them. They're a dangerous team. And I think they've shown against the All Blacks where the All Blacks didn't have the ball for the first and they played 15, that game 20 minutes. without Willie LaRue. That's it. Who I think is pound for pound one of the most important players. But they they balanced out Libok yeah. with Andre Esterhazen. Yeah. I'm thinking, does he come in now? Because if they're going to go with Libok, does that mean that you leave out Dilende? Or move him to outside centre? Well, Am is missing. That's it. I think Esther Hazen balances out Libok because he's got a yeah. bit of playmaking in him. He's got a boot in him too. Whereas Damien Delende, like I remember when he was at Munster any time that he looked like he was about to kick the ball, just the entire province would, would, would scream. No. That's <laughs> like, I just think with Esther Hazen, he balances them out a lot. And yeah. I know Delende is a world-class talent. They might put him at outside centre just to see how that would look. Um, But I thought Jesse Creel did well. He's a Jesse, good Jesse like Creel a, gets such a raw deal, I think, from a lot of South African fans. He's yeah, a baller, I've, like I've never seen it. Like I, like I, I've seen obviously him getting a ton of abuse, but I was like, I've never seen why. Like he's never come across yeah. as being, you know, a fella jumped up above his ability or anything. Yeah. It's just like, it's a very um, one. Was it Jared Wright shared um, something on? Um, was it him or was it Um Rugby? I can't remember which. Sorry, um, but shared something like it was a reply on Twitter about Creel, and it was like his stats for the game, whatever. And he was like, oh, I think it was three passes. He's like, oh, he only touched the ball three times. And I was like, well, hang on. Like you go back to the Six Nations for Ireland. I'm pretty sure there's a game where Ringrose doesn't pass the ball at all. So if we're just in going the, on in, that. In, he hasn't passed the ball in two Heineken Cup finals. Yeah. So if you're just going on that, I mean, we can all throw out statistics like, you know, that really have no bearing on how a player played. But like Creel is fantastic. Like he's a... He's a World Cup winner himself, isn't he? He is. He was in the squad yeah. last time, like, but he comes I mean, like he, he like South Africa used that thirteen jersey as a bit like another winger. Yeah, and he's very good in that role. He makes he's decent fucking... defensive reads, good offloader, good passer of the ball. He's he excellent, makes... and like there's at the same time for the abuse he gets, like there's no way that Jacks Nienbar and Razi Erasmus. Are looking at him going, he's shit, but we'll put him in anyway. Yeah, this like guy's he's clearly a good player. He's a defensive liability. Let's start him anyway. Like we had a we had a, a friend before. Um, we were watching the soccer World Cup this years ago. Spain were getting hammered, and he came in. And he goes, "Who's that Cassius fella in gold? He's useless." And I was like, "He's." <laughs> I was like, "He's got a World Cup winner. I don't know how many Champions League winners." Blah blah. blah. Do you know, we we're like, "He is not useless." Like it's just. <laughs> Today has not been their day. Like, and it's a bit the same with Jesse Creel. Like, who's that Jesse Creel? For? He's useless. He's a World Cup winner. 
Like he's what upsetting. Is, what about my guy Cannon Moody? Yeah. He's only, like what a what a rise to start. Like he is some player that young fella. A bit yeah. raw in some areas, but my god, he's got just natural ability. He's a baller, like. And I suppose that's the main worry, really. South Africa, how they seem to have been building over the last number of like uh, you know uh, you know they've they've been building their own cohesion. They've been yeah. in camp for a long while now, and all of a sudden the performances are starting to come, and it's like, hmm, that feels Time. vaguely threatening. Timing is everything, isn't it? Yeah, and I think that's like. I suppose from the vibes perspective with Ireland, you would have hoped it would have been better. But I think our schedule coming into the World Cup has kind of made sure that they were never going to be great. Because like beating Italy, we do that every year. Yeah. Um, England are a shambles at the moment. Yeah. Um, and then Samoa, we would be expected to beat as well. It's like, well, even if you we, we won all three games, but not in the fashion that I think maybe we would have expected not emphatically. No. And yeah. because again, I've had a few people asking me about England, what's going on there. Um, Dude, I'd say you could pull 10 England players and ask them the same question and you get 10 different answers. Their system is just, you're watching it and you're kind of like, I don't know what you're attempting to do here. Like I've, I've written about this and I did a podcast about this where they have three things they're good at. They have a good offensive lineout. They have a good defensive lineout. And they have good physical ball carriers that can get them over the game line. But they have no way to stitch those three things together into a cohesive system that can win them rugby games consistently. They have no way to get those into position to help them to win. So like this, they feel under pressure to play this sort of expansive, like, you know, uh, attractive rugby from the, the public and from the press. So you, you see them try to play those kind of those screen balls and stuff like that. At the same time, they kick the ball more than anybody else, right? So you think, okay, well, look, they should have a lot of lineups off the back of that so that maybe they can work with that. But they don't have the pack to play with the sort of pace that Ireland's pack do, for example. So you, you notice with Ireland, like Ireland never play three heavy locks in the pack. Like Ryan Baird is not a heavy guy. He's like 113 kg. Uh, Tygburn is the same. So th- these are like these are fairly light by international standards for second rows. So they're able to keep up with the, the kick volume. So they're able to up and down the field, cover all the, the ground they're supposed to cover. England have Courtney Laws at six. Like they've Dave Ribbons, they've Mario told you you can keep up with that, you know, fair enough. But like straight away they're slowing down their own game. And like they're wondering, like, why is our defense not working? Why is our why is our transition defense not working like it should? It's like because you've got the wrong guys there. And it's like they can't get out of their own way selection wise because they've got so many catch twenty twos. It's like, oh, we got enough. We got to have Courtney Laws. Yeah. Oh well, he's got to be in the back row. You're not going to drop the Doje. No, we're not. it's like oh, we, we can't drop Owen. Oh, we, we can't drop Billy Goodapona. <laughs> yeah, he's got, they've got all these these catch twenty twos. I would fucking drop him tomorrow. Oh yeah, I just think he's he's like not even yesterday's man. Yeah, it's been he's a like, while. He's, he's last month's man. Like, it's been a while. And, and look, injuries have taken a lot out of them. I think in 2018, you know, 2017, 2018, 2019, one of the best ball carrying forwards in the game. Mm, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Four years later, injuries have taken their toll. He doesn't seem to be the same guy. And that's had a lot of pressure. Looking at the groups or the pools, 
I think France top A, New Zealand second, Italy third. What doesn't really matter. Like I suppose third doesn't really matter. We did a draw actually with a few friends of mine. I'm doing one for the Patreon as well, but we did a World Cup draw with um, me and 20 others. So two people had to share a team, um, which is, you know, fair is fair, whatever. People knew this crack like. But literally... Um, it was one of one a friend of ours and my wife was actually the first two names that came out and they both and they both shared England. And I just, you know, texted and I was like, Well, at least you don't have to worry about sharing the winnings. But um I ended up getting Italy and just for the crack I said I'd look them up on uh I don't gamble, as you know, like and um I don't I will not be putting any bets on the World Cup, but I said I'd look up their odds just for the crack. They are five hundred to one to win this World Cup. So I'm delighted that I put all that effort into organizing a World Cup draw for me and my friends to have a great time. And I end up drawing a 500 to one team. Absolutely. At least, you know, it's not rigged. But France, anyway, first, I think with New Zealand, second, I think Pool B. I don't know. Like, well, Pool B is France and New Zealand. No, Pool B is us, South Africa, Scotland, Tonga, oh. Romania. Hard to call. Like the head or the heart obviously says, oh, Ireland will do it. Like, But the head, it's, it's, the it's, head it's comes in into and says, this is South Africa in a World Cup. It's probably the most difficult pool game we've ever had. When you think about it. Yeah. I'm going to go with Springboks first. Ireland second and that Ireland Scotland game to be an absolute bloodbath as well by the way <laughs> yeah that won't be easy the only um, thing about Ireland is they have two weeks leading up to that that's the thing so you can go all out for both although Scotland would have a nice midsection there to that they, they can build and build yeah they that. can they've too got, yeah even if they, they lose got, South Africa they can really fucking target Ireland there they can build momentum and thinking we can catch these guys yeah. And that's the difficult thing. I'm going to go with South Africa first, Ireland second, and then Ireland to play France in the quarterfinal in Paris. Romantic. Uh, I'm going to go Ireland first, South Africa second. Just because, fuck, I don't know, just because. That's all you need to say sometimes, isn't it? Just because. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We'll see... I think oh fuck I think Fiji will get out I think they will as well I think they're yeah. good I think they're very good um, I think they'll I top think, it I don't know I think Australia will actually make a decent run in that group yeah Wales go out at the pool yeah I think so I think looking at Australia they're big they're strong they've got power everywhere Yeah, and that's always good in a World Cup they'll work it out I think yeah I think so too and then Pool D I uh, England, <laughs> Japan won't. Argentina, no, I think will. Japan, Argentina will. It's Argentina, England up first. I, I, but I'm looking at Samoa as well. Samoa showing they're like they can be sticky, but again, they kind of lost a bit of steam against against Ireland. I think England and Argentina will get out, but won't do anything yeah. with it. Yeah, no, I think Argentina will top the pool, but again, it depends. I think Argentina will beat England as they're currently as they're as, currently as the way they're playing. Yeah. I mean, yeah, and I think that the listener, like us and the listeners of this podcast, could probably put a twenty-three together. That would uh, <laughs> give them a bit of trouble at the moment. Give, give them a stretch. 
have their lads out, out afterwards kind of going uh, on social media yeah, write us right, off now yeah, write, write us off now yeah do it do it write us off I've written it's you like, off since February my like, man my guy you're on the fucking softest side of the pool don't be talking that shit <laughs> don't be talking that shit now on the side of the draw you're on yeah I don't know I can't wait anyway but listen we leave it at that and we will talk to you at some point when we're doing Richard State of Mind again whenever that is Probably next week. I put Probably no thought week. into it. Neither have I. Owen. Oh, that, that's what Owen's for. That's Owen's job. That's Owen's job. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening to us, and we talk to you again soon. Bye. Bye.